podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, thanks for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby County podcast, after the first leg of the Rams' playoff semi-final against Leeds United. We've dug deep to bring you another episode at this critical point in Derby's campaign, but there wasn't that much to cheer about after that single goal defeat at Pride Park, was there? I'm Chris, hello, Richard Cutchers here, thanks for minding the shop while I was gone. No worries, a pleasure, a pleasure. And it wouldn't be the same without Tom Martin, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Now, Richard, you're going to tell us where we can find all of Steve Bloomer's Washing's content on the old social media? Yes, you can find and follow Steve Bloomer's Washing on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. You can also follow us on Instagram, Steve Bloomer's Washing, and also find us on Facebook as well. So coming up on this bonus micro pod, we're going to pick the bones out of that feisty first leg, uh, Lampard's team selection, the positives, penalties headbutts and everything else and I'll even throw in a cheeky guesty 11 at the end so at least one of us might win something this weekend but Derby are going to have to rewrite playoff history at Ellen Road to keep their promotion dream alive because no team has ever made the championship playoff final after losing the first leg at home. Now Richard and Tom you were both there in the uh, rare foray into North Stand at the game so how much of that performance against Leeds and that 1-0 defeat was about Derby not hitting the heights of Bristle City and West Brom and how much of it was due to Leeds just doing a job on us having our number and Lampard being tactically outthought Tom it's interesting I think is there's elements to both of those uh, points which which contributed towards yesterday's defeat uh, Derby just didn't seem at the races from basically the 15th minute I thought we started positively um, but then Leeds eventually got a handle on us um, it was interesting to notice how that Leeds set up uh, they kept players very wide and meant that we weren't we weren't able to attack wide we obviously like to use the fullbacks uh, and I thought a lot of the time Malone and Bogle were both isolated um, when uh, when we were defending and therefore Leeds got a lot of joy themselves down the flanks uh, which is something we haven't seen against Bristol City and against West Brom. Yeah I think what was really obvious was that more so than any of the three uh, the two previous games that we've played Leeds Leeds have seen their job seemed to be more about containing Derby and stopping Derby playing I've got a few stats to kind of back that up from from the last three matches as well so in the first match we played them in August we had 12 shots on goal and four on target uh, in the second match we only had seven shots on goal and two on target and yesterday we had zero shots on target from seven shots however we actually had more possession yesterday than in any other game against Leeds this season we had 43 percent of the ball actually we had 46 percent of the ball in the first game but only 37 percent of the ball in the second game against them so Bielsa just knows how to stop Derby playing. You have to take the occasion into account, don't you? Like the the first leg of a playoff tie when you're the away team is all about growing into the tie first and foremost. Like that league game in August, they could just you know there wasn't anywhere near as much riding on it. So um, that you know you have to sell up in a different way because you have to try and take something back to the home leg, don't you? It, it becomes like essentially three cup finals, the two playoff semi final legs, and then a, then the final um, and. 
you take them individually like what's happened before is gone um you need to look at how the other team play and you need to try and um win win those two games or certainly win one uh, and get through into the final and then then keep your head for 90 minutes it's it's been a marathon it's now about a sprint and um, cuts you were saying about Jaden Bogle and what Leeds did to Jaden Bogle yesterday yeah I spotted it quite early on I definitely noticed it in the first half maybe because we were kind of had a better view down that side of the ground but even when Leeds were attacking as Tom mentioned they were keeping their left wing particularly um, particularly wide so not only did it mean that um, Bogle had to get out had further to go to get out defensively but it also meant that when the ball turned over quickly Bogle was already kind of shut off. Like they, they definitely did a job on closing the space of Bogle. Like I don't, apart from obviously the penalty um, incident, which we'll come on to, I don't really remember Bogle getting forward at all, particularly in the first half. And they really were shutting him off, and they, they were just not letting us get the ball out there. They, they wanted to let Tamori have it basically all the time. Up top as well, it was maybe a bit of a surprise in Frank's team selection. Uh, David Nugent getting the nod to start in the playoff semi final, despite having not scored since. September, I believe. Um, what was your gut reaction when you saw Nuge leading the line? Not surprising. I wasn't surprised because we talked about it before and, and Lampard gave his reasons for why he chose Nuge and, um, to come on for Waghorn early on um, in the previous game. So I, th- I think we know his reasons for it. It's about set pieces and being a bit stronger and a bit bigger. But he didn't hold it up at all. I mean, we'll come on to kind of the second leg, I guess. But for me, it's now about if we get chances, we need to take them. And Nugent's not that man. He... Um... He made a mistake, full full stop. Uh, I can understand his reasons and I know Marriott's not been playing great and there's been potential questions over uh, perhaps attitude or something, which if you read between the lines on Lampard's comment, um, but he made a mistake. The ball went to Nugent, the ball came back again and from about the 15th minute, Leeds were comfortable against us. And Did you think, I mean, I thought Nuge held up a little bit at times, but just not quite often enough. It's, it's more of running off the ball really, like the, the that half chance that he had we had that bright start as you say there um, but we only really created that half chance with David Nugent and we couldn't maintain that intensity and then it wasn't long before Leeds started to dominate possession and pin us back but with, but with Waghorn like we create more chances because of the way that he plays and brings other players into play and Nugent that the reason that he brings Nugent in is to, is to try and do a similar job and he's not doing that job so now you've got to think okay well we need to find a different way to play I'd love to know Nugent's past completion rate um, or success at winning winning aerial duels because like, if he did win something, then this isn't his fault, but no one was running in behind. But that's because they lacked the confidence and the thought that he was going to win it. He was looking for the ball to feet. I, I don't remember the amount of times that he got the ball to feet and managed to win it and then was, was tackled on this sort of second or third touch. Um, the play was too slow going into him, first and foremost, and it was too slow coming off of him. Um, and it's and the odd... Um, sorry to interrupt. And it's, it's, it's the all-round general play isn't it it did strike me as he had the sort of game of a player who doesn't get that run in the team who who doesn't ha- he doesn't have that confidence who you know he's trying sort of crossfield balls and they're going out of play every so often as well um don't get me wrong i think that i think that the industry was there for nugent but uh it didn't look quite sharp enough due, due both due to his, his age and due to lack of uh, match match sharpness. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Jack Marriott came off the bench and changed the game and was like much better. I don't think he was, but I do think that Marriott has the potential to take those half chances, and I also do think that Marriott works a lot harder and, and runs those challenge, uh, channels much more effectively these days than Nugent, and I think Marriott has to start the next leg if Waghorn isn't fit. Yeah, and, he, and his link-up play is good, actually. Marriott's got quite a few assists, so he's good at finding players in and around the box, and yeah, he's not strong. He's not so strong that he holds the ball up and it sticks to his chest like it does with Waghorn the last few months. But he does bring other players into play. And I think Nugent just isn't really on the same wavelength. Or his touch might just let him down. Um, 
frustrating. We, we, we can see why he did it, but uh, frustrating with, with hindsight. I mean, surely Lampard has made his point with Marriott now. Um, how long has Marriott been out of the team for? Since he's been back fit, what, like half a dozen games or something? Maybe even longer, you know. I can't remember Marriott really having a, a good run in the team since and if he's, the and if he's, of the year. If he's fit enough or if he's, uh, his levels are high enough to be on the bench, surely they're high enough for him to start. Like, he's got to start the away leg, surely. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. But then have we actually got anyone else who would replace him on the bench? I mean, we can't just chuck him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that's the point, isn't it? So Waghorn isn't fit at the moment, um, which is a real blow for us. And so we've got Nugent and, and Marriott as a sort of backup. Um, yes, maybe we could play Bennett through there, but through the middle, but I quite like him down the, down, uh, the right flank. And so coming off, I, I was, I was, I said to you before the game yesterday, Tom, that if Waghorn wasn't fit, I did. Bennett. I did half expect yeah. maybe Bennett to start down the middle because because Lampard has played him down the middle. He obviously had an amazing, um, amazing impact against West Brom. He's going to be on cloud nine, and he is fast and he is strong, and he will cause a nuisance for himself. And probably one thing we did miss yesterday, which we hope we were going to provide because we have provided it in the last few months, is that real battle. And I'm not saying that the players didn't put the top effort in. I think they did, but I felt like we were just a bit slow to the ball. We weren't getting amongst it. We weren't quite competing physically with them. And Bennett might have might have thrown himself out a bit more. The main bright spark away from the forward players and just getting back to the, the bread and butter of the game itself, not for the first time this season, was Dwayne Holmes. Looking to break through the lines, wasn't he? Driving forward as he's done so many times this year. But I just thought our other attacking threats of recent weeks, they seem to be nullified quite easily by Leeds. I mean, Mason Mount tried to make efforts to go forward himself occasionally, but he was quite well shackled, ended up dropping quite deep, I thought, for quite a lot of the game. Uh, Wilson was quiet for large parts. He sort of laid on that half assist for, for Nugent in the first half. It didn't do a huge amount else. And as you said there, Kutch, you noticed that Leeds appeared to identify Bogle as an outlet that needed keeping quiet. And... They had that game plan and executed it pretty well in the end. Yeah, and I think I just think it's difficult that when when they have executed a very effective game plan, and again, it's the second time that that Bielsa has done this to Derby with his tactics. It's hard for those kinds of players, Mount Wilson, Holmes, to some extent, to to get into the game because they're not getting that kind of front football. It's like in rugby when you can have the best fly half in the world, the best number ten, but if the if the if the pack isn't on the front foot, they don't get any space to play. And our flair players and our creative players weren't getting the space to play, and and that's really probably more down to leads his application of a game plan and it was of us failing is that two rugby references in the two, two podcasts there? i've got another one coming as well. <laughs> excellent yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> keeping an eye on that uh, you, consider yourself on a yellow <laughs> <laughs> that's a sim bin for 10 minutes chris um i thought holmes was good yesterday but he was a good the best player of a, a fairly ordinary bunch i don't think people played badly um i think malone perhaps was the weakest player on the, the side yesterday um I thought Holmes like tried to run, uh, tried to sort of press um, the forward line. He, he was the one on the front foot winning the win the second balls. But I was really disappointed with Wilson. He was out on the left and then he would cut into the middle and the ball would go across to the left back to, to Malone. And then Malone didn't have any options that were wider. So we'd then come back into the middle and we'd lose it again because we were, we were too slow and too predictable. And maybe Wilson was frustrated and not getting it. But we need to make sure that you keep that shape and you keep going. You don't necessarily do... Uh, have success every single time you go forward and you need to make sure that you keep in that that structure uh, for cohesion. I did think the performance wasn't quite as bad as some people seem to be suggesting on social media at least which I know isn't the the, the best gauge of of rational opinion at the best of times. Um, A lot of fans saying that we didn't turn up and it was embarrassing and pathetic. I mean strong words. I just felt that the, the desire and the intensity was there for some of the game, but we just 
sort of had the life squeezed out of us, really. And they and they matched our best attacking players. Yeah, like it's funny because we w- we went as quite a big group yesterday up from London, and um, I didn't really sense any anger. And um, we, we've come back from games before, and particularly Tom. Tom gets very angry, and um, like after Villa, like we were all angry. We we're all like generally angry at the team and felt let down. I didn't feel let down yesterday. I didn't feel. I felt disappointed that we maybe didn't quite turn up, and also disappointed that Leeds did a good job on us again because they've shown they can. Um, that's the frustrating bit isn't it Tom that, that Lampard has been out thought for a third time this season by Bielsa even if Bielsa is a vastly experienced manager and it, Lampard it, isn't we've got another go at it on Wednesday and I know we're going to come to the uh, preview for the next leg but we, there's still time it's it's half time in this game and Lampard again is you're going to say right okay he's been out thought by Bielsa Bielsa's a world class coach he's been there he's done it he's, he's been all over the place Lampard's in his first season Derby are in for a great shout here um it was disappointing yesterday, yes, but there wasn't the same frustration or anger or like annoyance at the way the players performed. You accepted the fact that Leeds actually did quite well. They scored their their best chance, and we were t- saying, "I felt like Derby were going to score, and we didn't create that chance." But if we had, I think we would have scored. Um, and Leeds did create the chance, and you always felt there was a goal coming with the sort of first real shot on target. Uh, and I think Roos made two good saves after the goal, but it was a tight, tense game and Leeds nicked it. And if it had been the other way and Derby had scored, I could have seen Derby scoring again. Look at it objectively. I know I was, I was at pains to, to really hammer this point home before this game, but to have got something out of the game, out of that first leg, we need to be at our absolute best and we need to catch Leeds on an off day. And neither of those things happened. I think they, Leeds- they, they, they beat us twice. They finished whatever points ahead of us. There's a reason why they finished third and we finished sixth and we were outside the playoffs for a lot of the season and they were in the top two for a lot of the season. Yeah, I think that's all true, but I don't I don't think Leeds had a particularly on day. Leeds didn't create much. You know, Leeds, as I said, Keller Roos made a really good save shortly after the goal, which was really important and you know, it could be a really important point in this tie, actually, that, that save from Keller Roos. Um, Derby didn't really have an on day, definitely. We probably had a bit of an off day, but Leeds executed their game plan well and that was it. They didn't create anything else. The fact of the matter is, is that we go into Wednesday in with a fighting shout. Everyone has been watching football this week and there have been some ridiculous comebacks. This isn't over. Uh, and the Derby performance yesterday, we know can be better. That Leeds performance, I'm sure can be better as well. But I thought they did well, Leeds. They they nullified us and there's, they're not going to do that for 180 minutes. We will have a chance. We need to take that chance. And if we can score early, I'm really confident that we can go on at, at Elland Road and actually upset the history books and actually win there. Who are you and what have you done with the normal Tom Martin? What is going on here? Like, I don't know what it was. Like yesterday, I was I was nervous. Obviously, before the game, I was watching it. I was like, I feel like we can we can get in behind this lot. And I thought I said to Kutch, I was like, I think we've got them. Like just the first fifteen minutes, we then dropped off and it became frustrating. Um, and it then became frustrating because we were there's one time in the first half. I think Nugent and uh, Holmes were pressing, and then Mount and Johnson were sort of forty or fifty yeah. yards behind, and they did a really good press like Holmes and, and Nugent, but there was no one. On the, on the play in the midfield so as soon as they passed it around there was then time two players had been taken out of it then Wilson was done by a long ball and suddenly we had three or four players beyond the ball and it was that was the frustration, frustrating thing um, but actually I came out of the game I was like right that's annoying but it's it's still half time and it's, it still feels like we can get back into this and I've got confidence in, in Lampard and I've got confidence in that Derby team that they'll have a go on Wednesday 
I think I think I made the prediction before the game wrongly, um, but we win. But we'd win. But what I did also say was the first goal was always going to be huge yesterday. If we'd got that first goal, particularly in the fifteen-minute spell when we started well and we did start on the front foot and we were in their half, I think that would have had a big difference because with the momentum of the two teams, Derby going into the playoffs with good momentum, Leeds going into it kind of falling off a bit of poor momentum, a bit lacking in confidence. If we'd started well and got a goal, that would have kind of amplified those two situations even more and it might have been a very different game so again obviously Wednesday first goal is all important there are huge examples throughout the playoff history and throughout cup competitions where teams come from behind and and do things and we just have to make sure we're still in the game on Wednesday with 20 minutes to go and if that means it's nil nil with 20 minutes to go all it needs is a lucky deflection the 94th minute and it's one nil derby uh we're into extra time and we're still there so stay in the game for as long as possible make that Elland Road crowd get get edgy I do think there's enough from that Derby team that we saw on Saturday um, that shows that we can actually hold them out. They only created three chances, I'd say, and one of those was a great chance. Two others were, one was poor defending from Ruth's save and then another uh, well-worked chance in the second half. But I do think that Derby can, Derby can get something. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? We'll be chatting a bit more about the game in just a second, but Steve Bloomers Washing is partnered for this season with Derby Brewing Company, the family-run microbrewery and pub operator in Derby, with three venues across the city. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So that Leeds goal, when it did come, in some ways you just have to hold your hands up, really, don't you? You admire a well-worked move, in particular that cross from um, from Jack Harrison that took three Derby defenders out of the game, Kutch. Yeah, great cross and, and really clinical finish as well. I don't think Keller Roos really had any chance. He, he was quite exposed in that moment, really. The, the player could go either side of him. Yeah, that's that's the quality of Leeds they've got. Derby got their quality as well, but, but Leeds managed to show it on the day. Yeah, Wilson or, or Mount can make that sort of ball any time, uh, which is why, as I said in the first half, I think we I think we can still create chances. My issue with that goal, if you look at the... If you sort of stop it... Uh, as the ball is about to be played by Harrison, you see Tamori and Keo. They're both flat, and you see Malone is slightly in front of Keo. Now, having been a left back in my earlier parts of my fledgling football career, I know that as a defender in that position, you want to be aware of the full back, uh, of the winger, and you want to be slightly deeper just to make sure that you're cutting out any cross there. Malone's on his heels; he's not looking at the ball or the man. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I think he could have cut that out, and he should have cut that out. But a great ball and a fantastic finish from a very good player in Kimar Roof. Derby did appear to get that break they desperately needed when Jaden Bogle went down after that tangle with Jack Harrison later on in the second half. The ref, Craig Pawson, gave the penalty only for his assistant, Eddie Smart, to intervene. Um, now I've watched it 40 or 50 times since. I'm certain at the time, in the heat of the moment, watching it with the benefit of Sky TV replays, that it was a Stonewall pen. Then I'm not so sure, having slept on it. Now I think it is again. Um, <laughs> Kurt, should it have been given? Um, well, it was given. And what was strange about I think it probably was a penalty, just to answer your question briefly. What was strange about it at the time was the referee took an age to give it originally. Like, at our, we were in the north stand, so we were at the other side of the, uh, other side of the stadium. And we weren't sure for quite a while if he'd actually given it. And he obviously was thinking about it. And he seemed to reluctantly give it and then was talked into going to speak to his linesman, who must have also been talking to him on, on the radio, of course. That does happen. Um, I think it is a penalty. I think he does... He, he he takes Bogle 
before he takes a bit of the ball. So he basically goes through Bogle. Obviously, the, the argument seems to be from the linesman that Bogle put his hand on Harrison and fouled him, which then led to Harrison fouling Bogle. I just don't buy that. I just don't think there's enough contact there at all from Harrison. From Bogle, sorry. Tom, there's three key points here, isn't there? There's, does he make contact? Which, which he does. You can see clearly in the replays that Harrison's right foot swings, grazes the back of Bogle's left calf when he's just about to plant his left foot like interrupts his rhythm that he does make him make him lose his balance does he take the ball I don't think he does I mean I've watched it so many times to try and watch the ball's movement I'm not convinced there is contact I could be wrong that's just the way I saw it and thirdly does Bogle foul him which maybe there's definitely a hand on his back is it enough to make Harrison do that other action of interrupting Bogle's flow to see what I mean but I guess if you answer all three of those questions, there's clearly enough doubt there from the lino to make him overrule it. I think it's it's really difficult to to call. Like it's one of those penalties that you get given, and then sometimes you don't get them. The fact that it's given, and I quite liked uh, Lampard's quotes in the uh, in the media. He said that the referee gave it, and then there was almost a human VAR which uh, overruled it. And but he then made the very sensible point, Lampard, that there needs to be enough enough doubt. Now, if the referee thinks that's a penalty, and I thought it was a penalty. Granted, from the other end of the uh, the other ground, I shouted penalty as soon as um, it went through. Um, obviously, I would do as a Derby fan. But then if the referee gives a penalty, there's got to be clear and obvious reasons to not give that. And there's not at all. And if the referee thinks that's a penalty, he should have stuck by his guns and gone, that's that's not a penalty. Because I can't see how they can overturn it. It's, 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 it's a mad decision having been given. Now, if it wasn't given... Fine, I'd, I think I don't think you could have, you could have talked about the fact it should have been a penalty or could have been, um, but if it's not, then surely it's a corner. I, I can't see Bogle fouling him. Yeah, the frustrating thing is is the process, isn't it? And I think we've, uh, football fans talk about this a lot with referees and and referees' decisions. It's the process and how it's communicated, and and we, it's just difficult to understand. Like Lampard looked completely bemused by it when he was interviewed afterwards. I think we're all a bit bemused by it, as Tom said. I think it's probably a fifty fifty decision at whether it's a penalty or not. But it was given, and now the argument and the debate is all about, well, why did the linesman feel that he sees he saw something so obvious that he didn't have to give a free kick against Bogle? He didn't even he didn't flag for a free kick against Bogle in the first place. Like It just all seems very, very odd. Yeah. I guess the uh, lino's argument is that he can see Bogle's arm on Harrison's back from his angle, but the ref couldn't see the arm on the back from where he was stood because he's on the other side. But anyway, we asked you a lot on Twitter whether you thought it was a penalty, um, incredibly close, as you can imagine. 52% said yes, it should have been given. 48% said no. When I last checked, that may have changed. Um, 52% is the will of the people, though, isn't it? So. It's about time we respect the will of the people. We go back to Pride <laughs> Park and we deliver what democracy has said and we we take that penalty because that's what the people wanted and penalty means penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what you're laughing about because this is serious. I'm not sure what analogy. I'm not sure what analogy you're trying to tie this to. To be honest, um, yeah, Lampard, as you said, there was quite magnanimous about it. In the end, he said, uh, "I think it was a close call for the penalty, but for it to be overruled by a linesman who is further away than the referee is incredible. The ref is the boss, and he made the decision." If it's going to change, then surely it has to be because there is something clear and obviously wrong, and there wasn't. Um, Bielsa, meanwhile, in the interest of fairness, he was asked about it as well, and he said 
to paraphrase, there were too many players in front of him for him to be able to see, get a good look at it. So he uh, he refused to give an opinion, basically. Yeah, I think that's a stock answer from the opposition manager with with, B- with Bielsa, not just Bielsa, but most managers don't see things do they when it when it suits them. And, and to be fair, Lampard said he didn't see the the headbutt incident, which which we'll come on to. Um, it's just very look that that penalty would have been a lifeline. It would have been an absolute lifeline for us to get us back into the game. And who knows what what would have happened with a change of atmosphere um, in, in in with the remaining minutes. And it, and then I think actually it kind of killed us off having not got that penalty I felt like the ground went a bit flat as you'd as you'd expect and the players probably felt it wasn't going to be their day fine margins though isn't it a penalty that wasn't given in this playoff semi-final a penalty that was given against West Brom on the final day a penalty that was given for Villa in the other semi-final a penalty that wasn't given for West Brom in the other end a few minutes later really is fine margins isn't it but um, some minutes later at the other end Meanwhile, Tamori and Keogh were incensed when uh, Mateus Klitsch headbutted Tamori in the chest as he got up from a challenge. It seemed to me watching it, I mean, there's nothing in it, basically. But in the laws of the game, red cards have been dished out for that. He should have gone. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It doesn't have to be forceful. Um, he's put his head onto Tamori's chest. The, what amazes me is the fact that the linesman clearly didn't see it. Uh, the referee clearly didn't didn't see it. Uh, they've reacted to Tamori's reaction and they've booked him. So they've sort of gone for this sort of half compromise thing. Klitsch should have gone. Yeah. Like, he should have gone. and Or nothing should have happened. And, and then he should be cited afterwards. Yeah. And it's, it's unbelievable. So basically, he's made a huge error there. That's a that's perhaps a bigger error uh, than the penalty because I can guess the, the penalty is 50-50. Um, there's no doubt about this. There's, this is a red card all day long uh, and the referee's made a huge error there. I feel like the referee just missed it as well because... He was he was looking at the two players, and as he looked away, and it wasn't deliberate from Click in terms of he didn't know the referee who just looked away. But as as he looked away, that's when Click put his head into Tamori's chest. And I feel like, and I don't necessarily advocate this, but I feel like if Tamori had fallen over at that point, I feel like more that it might have more caught the eye of the Lino and, and the referee as seen as something had happened. But, but Tom's right. What's what's bizarre is that they apparently didn't see it. But then they were talked into a yellow card. By, they were talked into doing something by Tamori's reaction. And actually, that potentially means that now Click will get away with it because they're not going to cite him after the game. Click's the guy who scored that goal against Villa, isn't he? Well, he's a, you know what he's like then. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... Um, I'm pleased Tamori didn't, didn't throw himself yeah. to the floor. There's no way that Tamori should be with that uh, force. But the fact that um, he's put his head in there just shows what sort of person he is. Um, and the fact that he's he's obviously... I don't know. But yeah, why are they booking him? Why are they booking yeah, him if they didn't see it? Why are they booking It's bizarre. It's, it's, it's terrible officiating all round. I don't think the officials had a great day both ways. Um, Huddleston, I thought, when I saw the challenge on the right wing, uh, again, it was a long way away, but it, it looked forceful and it looked to me like he led with an elbow and I haven't seen that one back. Uh, there was discussions on that on Twitter afterwards that he could have gone. I think there were, there were elements in there that, that went both ways, but I think the Klitsch one is a clear one. So Derby with plenty of work to do then in that uh, second leg, trailing by a single goal. As we've said, they need to rewrite history to make it through to only their second championship player final since 2007. Um, you've had a little glance at the highlights from the other semi-final. Uh, West Brom surrendering a goal lead at Villa Park, going down 2-1. Um, Dwight Gale in the scoring, then Conor Horahan and a Tammy Abraham penalty, giving Villa a 2-1 lead. Do you think it's a fair result from what you saw in that game? Uh, from what I saw, 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, as as we mentioned, I think there was some pretty big controversial decisions in there. I think um, Gale was very unlucky to be sent off for that for that yellow challenge on on the keeper. I think he had every right to go for that ball. So that's a massive blow for them because that is their primary source of goals going forward. And, and Villa are a very good team, and Villa were probably favourites anyway going into this tie. They also had Hal Robson Kainu sent off against Derby, so they're basically left with Jay Rodriguez as their only striker. I who, think yeah, who is a quality leg. player and who could get them goals. In the second leg, but that Villa team just looks too strong to me. I did watch the whole game myself, and West Brom were weirdly quite unambitious and negative, to be honest. They only scored for a Villa mistake and had one decent chance aside from that, but they, they, they sort of got what they deserved, I think, really. The, you know, they can't really argue with losing that game by a single goal overall. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think uh, uh, Dwight Gale took that goal brilliantly. Uh, the ball's past the goalkeeper before he can even move, basically. And then um, Hulahan's strike is um, an incredible strike. Uh, he's waiting for that ball for a good sort of five, ten seconds, and it finally gets laid back to him and he buries it. Uh, for me, I think the Villa penalty was a penalty. Uh, I thought Holgate was then fouled at the other end. I thought Abraham jumps into him as Holgate's up in the air and knocks him over. It's, it's penalty. Yeah. Uh, and I think Gale's unlucky. And if you see the replay from the other side... Gale tries to stop and the commentator goes no, he can't lunge in and follow through and the keeper like that I'm a goalkeeper that, that happens all the time so for me I, I think he's really unfortunate but West Brom are paying for sacking down more in my opinion we'll move on to uh, Gessie 11 in just a minute but it's been pretty it's been a tough one this hasn't it, it hasn't been a <laughs> great it all comes down to this game and then we put in a performance like that and get a result like that so Tom any positives you can give us uh Dwayne Holmes is going to keep up that energy and he's going to inspire the rest of the team to to continue uh, a positive thing for Wednesday. I think we can I think we can go to Elland Road on Wednesday. I think we can stay in that game. I think we can score late. Um, we just have to defend strongly throughout the game. Tin hats, like it was at Bristol City. Yeah, I think uh, for me the key is probably Martin Wagon. Do we have any any idea if he's going to be fit uh, for that second leg? I, mean, I, I do not off the top of my head. The comment that I saw is that he pulled out of training yesterday. Oh, that was he, it. Yeah. He's a doubt for Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and if he is isn't fit, then we need to think of a different way to play. We need to get Wilson and Mount onto the ball, uh, and we need to be more creative and more dangerous going forward because Leeds had our number um, when we were going forward. We need to find a way of either allowing Bogle to get through through and forward um, or overloading on one of the wings or something like that to try and disrupt that Leeds uh, set set pattern of play because I think if we do that we'll upset them and that Leeds crowd will get nervous I think Lampard needs to do something significantly different even if it's just you know uh, a completely different change of tactics or different shape just for one game I've, as you said Bielsa's got a number Leeds have got a number um, definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results so let's do something a bit different it might just be a one-off um, but what we've got to lose so, as I said there, Derby need to do what no team has ever done before if they're going to make it through to Wembley for that championship playoff final. They need to rewrite history. And it was back in 2006, <laughs> Tom's nodding already, when Derby rewrote history in that season, in Billy da- in the Billy Davis promotion season, winning 1-0 at Elland Road. Um, and in doing so, winning at Ellen Road for the first time in 32 years. How do you both fancy yourselves on naming the 22-plus players who featured in that game? I remember who scored. Bear yeah, in mind, I, I can't, I couldn't even tell you who some of these Leeds players there. are. I was there that day because I was at University of New York, so I went to that game. Leeds United nil, Derby County won from December the 9th, 2006. Tom, 
Name one player from that game. Well, I'm going to start with the goal scorer, which is Charles Barnes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Kutch. Steve Howard. Correct. Uh, Davin Moore. Do, 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 do. <laughs> the big man. Of course he plays. Of course Darren Moore is correct. Um, Stephen Pearson. Stephen Pearson is not there. Oh, Incorrect. He signed him. It was a January signing, January, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, God. He, Craig Fagan was January signing. Gary Teal and Bob Jay McEverly. So Derby's lineup for that game that they won 1-0. Can I have a go? I'll just read it out. It's fine. Uh, Bywater, Edworthy, Moore, Leacock, Bourteen, uh, Jones, Seth Johnson, replaced by Bishgore, Oakley, Barnes, Michael Johnson, Steve Howard, Johnstead, replaced by Lupoli in the 90th minute. Subs not used, Grant and Pesky Salido. That team was so awful. How the hell did that team get promoted? (laughs) Through... Grit, determination, and desire, and yeah. Stevie Howard. I've won a lot of money that season on one nil Derby County away from home. Stevie Howard scoring first. Well, if you um, thought that Derby team was bad, so like check out this Leeds team. Some players I haven't even heard of. They got um, relegated that year, didn't think they? Big Graham Stack in net. Oh yeah. Um, Craney, Ekiog, Heath, Fox, Hayden Fox. I don't even know Blake. It's not Robbie Blake, is it? No, Nathan. Nah. <laughs> uh, did, Bob, did Robbie Blake? I think he did play for them. Uh, Derry, Douglas. Lewis, that's Eddie Lewis as well. Did we sign him then? Um, <laughs> season after, yeah, yeah, and then just more players I've never heard of. So there we go, good clean win there for Tom. We're going to return for our end of season wrap up after the uh, after the Leeds game, unless Derby do do the unthinkable and make it to Wembley, in which case we'll change all our plans and try and squeeze out another podcast episode before the final. Um, but anyway Tom thanks for joining us thanks very much safe trip for all those going on Wednesday Richard thank you very much good to see you and thanks for listening see you again next week Mm